Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Who are you? Detective Chief Inspector Waxford. I suppose you've come to tell me something about my parents. <coughs> so, have you come to tell me something? To ask a few questions. Try and get some help. You come to me for help. They've got my parents, for God's sake. What's Mr. Plod doing? Staying very calm in the face of adversity. The shops were opening now, and the fruiterer on the opposite side of the street was putting up his sunblind in anticipation of a fine day. If this had been an ordinary Wednesday, a normal weekday, Burden thought, Margaret Parsons might now have been kneeling in the sun, polishing that gleaming step, or opening the windows and letting some air into those musty rooms. Where was she? Waking in the arms of her lover? or lying in some more final resting place. She's bolted, Mike, Wexford said. That's what my old father used to call a woman who eloped. A bolter. <laughs> he's such a sympathetic human being. <laughs> Bruce Rendell says that he's very like her. Well, that I can believe. <laughs> Uh, Welcome to the Curiously Specific Book Club, the podcast that's curiously specific about dates and locations in well-known books, presented by me, Lloyd Shepard, and you, Tim Wright. Hello, I'm Tim Wright, and this is part two of our adventure into the world of Ruth Rendell and the mythical village of Kingstown, rather than village, of Kings Markham. Getting more mythical by the minute. where, where Where there are murders over many decades in a range of books called the Wexford books after Inspector Wexford, the the lovable Inspector Wexford. Uh, He's not very lovable at all. (laughs) Thick set, but not yet fat, as she describes him in the book. Not fat, you must be a good guy. Uh, Not fat. He's 50, yes. (laughs) She's obsessed with fatness. We had a difficult part one. I mean, we uh, we hoped to find a train station, a police station, and a market square. None of them were anything like they are in the book. Indeed, the train station doesn't actually exist. By and, 1963. And before listening, you think that we, we, we're foolish to have gone to Midhurst in the first place. Uh, we did so because Ruth Rendell says that King's Markham is based on Midhurst. Yeah, she sent us there. So it's it's her fault, not ours. Yeah, this is a wild goose chase. It's entirely uh, down to the author. But it is bizarre. 
I think we got increasingly puzzled by the fact that an author has decided to say it somewhere, and then it's so not. Yeah. But we're not going to give up. Mm. We've got a couple of other, well, three other places to try. Yes. We'd like to see if we can find the cinema. That, yes. Uh, well, that's a big part of the plot, big isn't part it? Of the plot that Miss, uh, Miss of who went to the cinema to. when. Mm. Uh, we'd like to see if we can walk up to the bridge. The river in the book is called the Kingsbrook. It is. It's uh, the River Rotha in uh, in Midhurst. Yes. And then we also try to find the location for Mrs. Parsons' body. I think that's important in a murder novel, yeah. isn't it? Is to find the place where the body was found. Yeah. That so, seemed like um, a good thing to try and do. So, uh, but we're also going to have a little chat about. Ruth Rendell's geography and maybe there's some other alternatives to Midhurst that she could have based the book Well, we've got in. to try and work out why on earth would you say this is Midhurst yeah, when it so obviously isn't. Why would you say that? The lipstick, Mrs Missile. Oh yes, the lipstick. Actually, I did buy one. A filthy colour called Arctic something. I lost it in the cinema last night. Are you quite sure you lost it in the cinema? Did you inquire about it? Ask the manager, for instance. What? For an eight and sixpenny lipstick? Do I look that poor? I went to the cinema. By yourself, madam? Of course I went by myself. So that's Mrs Missile talking about her uh, night at the cinema. Her alleged night at the cinema. And the missing cinema ticket. It's quite a big uh, part of the plot in the early stages of the book. Now, we are sitting outside the Orion Cinema in Midhurst. Yes. On North Street, which would be quite close to where Rendell has the uh, has her house in Tabard Road, near the Midland Bank, opposite the bank. So it's quite good, isn't it? Location wise, location wise, it's on the High Street. Kind yeah, of so works. it's a rather so the, grand building. To so the Orion Cinema, the building opened in 1882. It became a cinema in 1910. It originally had 450 seats. Gosh, that's a lot. And then in 1947, it was renamed the Orion Cinema. Seating for 750 people. Really very big. Mm. Unfortunately, and I'm a bearer of more bad news on the Curious Pacific rating front, (laughs) it closed in 1962. (laughs) It closed on the 15th of September 1962. Appropriately enough, the last film was Candidate for Murder. Oh, very good. Um, good. But now it's the... I was uh, wondering why I was sitting in front of a Tesco's. And now it's Tesco Express. (laughs) So I was obviously... uh, uh, jazzing that up for dramatic emphasis. Yeah, we were actually sitting on a bench outside Tesco Express. I'll put it to you, Mr. on quite Mr. a busy well, street. The cinema, because the cinema's not there anymore. No, but it's you. Yeah, you can't possibly have gone to the cinema. Don't try and come it, Mrs. Missile. This Again, I'm afraid now. it's uh, this book is set in 1963. We'll discuss that later on. Yeah, the cinema sure being closed Rendell for a year. That, though, <laughs> sorry. I'm not sure Ruth Rendell even knows that, that it's been based 1963. Well, I mean, if I was being charitable, I'm not feeling particularly charitable, but if I was being charitable, I'd say this is the, in terms of the places we've been so far, this is the place that makes the most sense location-wise. Well, you're being very kind. And just about might scrape in if you hadn't noticed, if you started writing in 1961 and you hadn't really gone back and done, you know. But no, she hadn't noticed the cinema's closed. I think she probably remembers the cinema. It's the only thing, only place where I've been where I kind of think, oh, actually, maybe she did remember the cinema being here. But, you, but she's not bothered to look anything up, has she? And as we're going to discover, she's, she's not even looked at a map of Midhurst. Because we, uh, we've we just been to the Midhurst Museum, haven't we? Yes. In which we found not one, not two, not three mentions of Ruth Rendell, 
But zero mentions Ruth Rendell. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, they didn't mention H.G. Wells or uh, John Wyndham yeah, either. Because H.G. Wells uh, lived and worked here for a while in the 1880s. Yeah. Perhaps we should have done Tono Bungay. Is that what it's called? The book yes. about, about this place? Yes. Perhaps we should have done that book. Well, they've got a Wyndham industrial estate and an H.G. Wells blue plaque. So, yeah. But where's the Rendell care home? But Midhurst clearly is unimpressed by Ruth Rendell's research. Well, I'm getting unimpressed. I, mean, I remember me having a go at Issue Guru about not bothering to leave his flat to check out whether anything he was writing about was accurate. But as you pointed out in that podcast, he clearly did look at some maps yep. and some travel guides about the places. I mean, Ruth Rendell hasn't... I don't know why she's even mentioned Midhurst at this point. I'm getting slightly puzzled as to why she bothered saying that it was based on Midhurst. Yeah. And, I mean, it just isn't. Now is the time. Time for ice cream. It's getting silly now. <laughs> it's just getting silly. <laughs> We've never done a book that is so unlike the place is purportedly based upon. I think we had to, we, there was a moment, I think, where we were both thinking, should we just stop now and go home and then do something else instead? Because <laughs> this, this one's not working. Yeah. But it's quite interesting to to do one that's, resolutely not working yeah well i think there might be more going on than quite meets the eye very interesting um essay article in the uh, the Ge- geographical review from july 1998 that's a good um, search it was published by the american geographical society of new york and it's by lisa Cadonaga, okay uh, who at the time was a doctoral candidate in geography at the university of victoria in british columbia canada and the essay is called Strange Countries and Secret Worlds in Ruth Rendell's Crime Novels. No, oh, very good. Okay. Uh, the abstract reads, I won't read the whole thing, but the abstract reads, mystery novels and academic geography have not often intersected. Well, I, 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 I beg to differ. Gosh, she needs to listen to this I, podcast. She needs to listen to this podcast. Yet crime fiction can incorporate spatial relationships and real-life regional characteristics. Writers like Ruth Rendell integrate place into their character development hmm. and plot lines. Rendell depicts changing urban landscapes in late 20th century England and effectively explores contemporary British culture. So her contention is that she's been writing about basically King's Markham in the first instance, but then other places as well, over such a long period that she's able to incorporate change, social change quite well. So there's quite a lot of stuff in other uh, Rendell books about housing developments, hmm. uh, schools, uh, places falling into disrepair. We read a later book that we were originally thinking about doing called Road Rage, yes. which was in the 90s. Yes. It's about a, um, a bypass being built around King's Markham. Yeah, which is hilarious if you go to Midhurst yeah. and think about, A, where would you put a bypass? And why and B, would you put a bypass? I mean, the amount of traffic going through that town, even today, yeah. is just enormous. Yeah. There's never been any attempt at a bypass. There. But the point about that that story is is that it's about nimbyism, right? Yeah. It's essentially about nimbyism. This this article is actually quite... I'll put, I'll put a link to it on a Patreon page. It's actually quite... And it explores that. And she's, you know, she's making the point, Lisa Cadenaga, that uh, Rendell's portrayal of people and places in in particularly the works of novels mm. is actually a pretty good 
index of social change in England over okay. the 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s. Right, but it doesn't actually mean to be a place. It's just a sort of collection of yeah. things that happen in Britain. I saw a... The, uh, I sent you a link to a YouTube movie, which, again, we'll put on the Patreon... Uh, uh, for Patreon subscribers, uh, an old TV program presented by Cliff Mitchellmore in Midhurst yes. in in the sixties. It was like Question Time, yeah. but really bad. Yeah, and um, and it was, I have to say, having read the book, I thought, oh yeah, I can see that she, these people in the audience asking questions, these people, and the, they are the they are those kind of people who are in the book. Yeah, so she's. In terms of pen portraits of those kind of people, she's quite good again. I think she's quite good at that. But what's her thing about Sussex? She's got no connection with the place whatsoever. All all she says in the afterword is that she she lived there as a child, which I can't find any reference Uh, to anywhere else. uh, My theory is that she went to stay there as a child and people told her it was Midhurst, but it was clearly somewhere Uh, somewhere else entirely. Where might it have been? (laughs) It could have been somewhere else. You know when they say she went to evacuate to the Cotswolds? Yeah. And when we were driving down there, you said... Uh, the names down here don't even fit right. They're all they don't. They're all Saxon. And I said, Oh yeah, they sound in the book they sound more like Cotswold. They do. Villages. Stowerton, Sewingbury. But then you get down there and it's all so Epham, Mepham, yeah. Denham. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm wondering whether the Cotswolds was actually the connection of and the and the, the, the housemaid dying in the pond. That might have been a stronger thing than it needs to be a commuter belt town, really. Yes. Uh, in the sixties. So it needs to be she describes the uh, it being an hour away from London by train, doesn't she? There's there's various clues. <laughs> also, there's a there's the there's a town to the north with an agricultural college, yeah, Sewingbury. There's another big town, Stourton, where the Southern Water Board has its headquarters. Yeah. So those two substantial ones, and then other places that are mentioned are Pomfret regularly, yeah. but not a big town, I don't think particularly. No. And then two villages, which are Flagford, Flagford, and Forby. Yeah, are mentioned, so you have to try and map out where they are to think uh, where it's going. What we do know, there's a river runs through this place, yeah, and uh, there's a high street, and then to the north, the river crosses the high street, yep. and that that river also backs onto people's posh people's, people's gardens. Yes, so there's that as well. And then in terms of position, one of the things that puzzles the hell out of me, what she says at one point that this is happening in late May. Yeah. And they're saying, then says, oh, the, and that weekend, the traffic sort of building up of all the people who want to head off to, to Eastbourne and Brighton, yeah. not far away. Yeah. Eastbourne and Brighton are East Sussex. Yeah. So they're a long way away from yeah. here. But that's what, so that's, that's, that through me. It did. Massively. I remember you going idea. on and on about it. Well, you'd go to Bognor. If you were going to the beach, you go to Bognor, or Worthing, or, maybe or Worthing, maybe yeah, maybe. But you, places well, you like... wouldn't go all the way. You might go to Brighton at a push, but you certainly wouldn't be going to Eastbourne. No, no chance, no how. Yeah. And then the other thing is, there's a there's an RAF station in Flagford. There's all kinds of clues. She's building up all kinds of clues. This is, do you know what? It's slightly reminded me of is a little plug for a project of mine called Oldton.com. Oh yes. Which is that I basically uh, put show, out, yeah. put out there on the internet uh, the idea of send me your memories of a place that you've lost or you can't get back to from your yeah. childhood or whatever, and uh, and then we'll put them all together and I'll draw a map based on everybody's collecting and that will be the village where all our memories go. Yeah, Alton. Yeah, you can still see it, listener. I think it's up there, Alton dot com. Yeah. Although we are changing to a new server, so it might be off for a bit. Um, but that that 
that I was busy drawing that based on people saying, oh, I remember the sweet shop and I remember the village green. And people, different people putting in bits of writing and some photographs of where I walk my dogs and stuff. It was all good. And and I, I, I drew the first iteration of it and said, oh, this is what Alton must look like. Yeah. And then some smart Alec, it's probably you or someone <laughs> like you, uh, said, oh, I remember the airfield. Have you got room to draw that? So I had to rub it all out and put it in a bloody airfield. Wasn't me. Wasn't yeah. me. <laughs> But so this airfield I'm business. I'm where the train station was then. It is there. Yeah. It is there. It's on the map. The train station is there, I promise you. Anyway, so Canada, if you think about all those things we've talked about. Yes. Where could it be? Yes. Where, oh, where could it be? So I, I started looking. I mean, I just don't think it's in um, West Sussex. I don't think, it, I, I, I don't believe it. No. There isn't anywhere I can think of yeah. that fits that in any way at all. No. When I started looking a bit further east, so I'm thinking Haywards Heath is probably a better, yeah. better shout. Um, it does have a high street. It did grow it up does, as yeah. a big commuter belt town. Yeah, it totally. is about an hour from London. Mm-hmm. It is the main route back. If you went down to the sea, you'd hit Brighton. You would. So it's got a lot of quite good things going for it. Yeah. Um, the police station is not right. We had a long conversation about this. I showed you my phone, my yeah. collection of police yeah, stations. Of police stations. Do you know, after you said, oh, you said to me when we were down there, you said, God, you, you, if your wife gets hold of your phone, she must think you're a funny fellow. You yeah. sees these bad. I showed her my, my police station pictures yeah. when we got home. And um, she got really interested in stuff. And then she started looking up her own ones of like, oh, I seem to remember the one in... She was saying, oh, surely the one in Worthing was, was a bit like that, wasn't it? And she started okay, looking up. Yeah. We had a... We had You're a, married for a reason. We had a good 15, 20 minutes looking up our 60s uh, police station. Okay. <laughs> the winter evenings must fly by. <laughs> but my last thought is this. She was working and living at the time when she was writing her first few books in Loughton in Essex. Now, if I go and look up Loughton, and obviously the main thing I'm looking at is police stations, that the, the old Loughton police station was knocked down in 1963. Oh, very good. And then I go and look for the cinema, which we were worried about, Yeah. on cinematreasures.org. The Century Cinema High Road, Loughton, was knocked down in 1963. So she's living in a place where all the key locations of Kingdom Arkham are getting, getting knocked, down. knocked down. She's moved this to a fictional town. I'm quite interested. And then if you, the other thing about Loughton that I like, I mean, the, the, the river's quite nearby. It's the one that skirts the town. Yeah. It goes between Chigwell and, I can't remember what it's called, the river, but it goes between Chigwell and Loughton. Yeah. But the other thing that I think I find interesting is if you want to, if if you're somebody who wants to get rid of a body, yeah, in Britain generally, yeah, <laughs> the number of them that have ended up in Epping Forest oh, on the job, edge yeah. of Loughton. There's a great site called thelittlehouseofhorrors.com. There's an article about Epping Forest because basically a lot of East End gangsters used to just dump bodies in Epping yeah. Forest, didn't they? They did. Basically. So it became well known as a place where bad things happened, and you yeah. found bad things. Yeah. She's living right on the edge of that. Yeah. On the other side of the M11, which of course wouldn't have been there in 1963, yeah. but um, uh, is an air- airfield. I was going to say airfields and uh, is much more right for Essex than no, it's right. It's Sussex. like if you ever drive down up the M11 um, and you've got Loughton on your left, if you're going north, on your right, there's an airfield. So it's just good theory, right? 
So she's dreaming of Sussex, but she's thinking she's about Loughton. Li- she's living in Loughton. Very good. Dreaming of Sussex, living in Loughton. Wexford sent for all his available men and set them to search the empty houses in King's Markham and its environs. The fields that lay still unspoilt between the High Street and the Kingsbrook Road, and as afternoon came, the Kingsbrook itself. They postponed dragging operations until the shops had closed and the people dispersed, but even so a crowd gathered on the bridge and stood peering over the parapet at the wading men. Wexford, who hated this particular kind of ghoulishness, this lust for dreadful sights, thinly disguised under a mask of shocked sympathy, glowered at them and tried to persuade them to leave the bridge, but they drifted back in twos and threes. At last, when dusk came and the men had waded far to the north and the south of the town, he called off the search. I think if you, d- if you did a Kindle search across the uh, Wexford novels for the phrase, Wexford who hated, you'd find about a thousand results. <laughs> <laughs> he hates so many things. So we're in the north of uh, Midhurst now. We're trying to find... There's the Parsons' house and Burden's house. They live on a place called Tabard Road. Yes. Which is near the Methodist Church. Yes. There's also the Missile's house. Yes. Which is in near Tabard Road, but backs onto the... Onto the high street. The Kingsbrook. Well, yeah. It backs onto the river. Backs onto the it? river. The, the, garden. the garden does. They have so a huge garden. It's between the high street, which we're saying is North Street, and the river. Yes. And there's also the Quadrant's house, which is a Queen Anne house in the same sort of vicinity. Oh, yes, around the back. Yeah, around the back. Then there's another row of houses out the back of that. Yes. So um, we've been hunting for sort of likely candidates for that. Oh. And we've arrived at the... Uh, what, Found a river, the, at least. The bridge of the River Rotha. There is a river. Yeah. And it hasn't been shut down, moved. <laughs> no, it was definitely here it's definitely in 1963. Here. And uh, It's the River Rother. The River Rother. Although, <laughs> if, you want, if you want to be really confused, there are two River Rothers. Yes. Spelt the same. One in East Sussex and one in West Sussex. <laughs> the Methodist Church is here, to be yes, fair. Yes, we did walk past that. In the north of town. There are no other houses around here, though. There's certainly no houses backing onto the river. There's no... There's no Queen Anne houses at all, even though we're not quite sure what a Queen Anne house is. There are lots of beautiful Tudor houses here. Yeah. Really old and very beautiful. Yeah. And uh, so why you need to worry about having a fancy house that isn't a Tudor house? Yeah. You could just talk about Tudor houses. Yeah. There's plenty of them here. Yeah. Now, the garden amuses me because... It says that the garden, sort of on the north side, it runs by the river. Yeah. <laughs> there, are, there are no uh, houses that do that, apart from um, it, when we're in the car park, there's a giant field out to the river. Yeah. And then the next thing you see is Cowdery Castle. A massive castle ruin. So they do mention a castle in the book. Yeah. So tick. Yeah. There is a castle. Yeah. Um, but Cowdery Castle is not it. It's a big old Tudor wreck. It's, it's a derelict. But the idea that M- Mrs. Mizzle has... Mrs. Mizzle lives in Cowdery Castle. Well, yeah, or, or just has that whole field is her garden. Yeah. is ridiculous. Yeah. yeah, It's not happening. So once again, I'm afraid, we have um, drawn a bit of a blank. Apart from the river and the Methodist Church. It really, at this point, I'm starting to think that if I was mapping out a house 
and I said, oh, it's got to be by the river, and 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 then say that her neighbour, you know, that the other people she has dinner with live just by the side with in a Queen Anne's house or whatever. She must have something in mind yeah. because it's not like it's it's very specific in the detail, and also even the river. She says they go north to south and dredge yeah. it. Well, it, the river doesn't go north to no, south; it goes it, east to west, really. Really, and also the bridges don't have parapets. No. There's nothing right. No. So I'm just starting to think she's thinking of another place. Yeah. I think whoever she lived with as a child lied to her about where she was. <laughs> yes. That's so my only explanation for this. We've only got one other place that we can kind of hope to find then, really, I would say at this stage, which is the wood. Yeah, the place where you where lie down and die. Where Mrs. Parsons' body is found. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm now thinking this is a bit of a record, though. Is that uh, is, has there ever been a podcast where we found absolutely nothing right? right. Nothing. Amazing. It's, it's, it's quite a. It's it's almost an achievement how wrong it is. Yeah, and it's not us who sent us here. Who sent us here? Ruth sent us here. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. My first book, I, I had the idea for the plot and um, I had to have an investigating officer. Uh, he had to, had to have a name. And I called him Wexford because I had just been on holiday in Ireland. And it was a toss-up between Wexford and Waterford. So I called him Wexford. I don't know why. I think I like the letter X in, in names. 
So, um, again in her afterword, where she mentions Midhurst, Ruth Rendell also states that this book is set in 1964. Do we agree with that? I think she wrote that in 2014 right. as a little memoir. So I think she's going a bit hazy. Isn't bit she? hazy. She's sort of going, my book came out in 64, so that must be when it's set. Yeah. But, so the, but it isn't. So the timeline... I don't know it, why it, she's got that wrong... Well, it shows you a lack of interest. A lack of interest in dates. Yeah. The timeline's quite tight, isn't it? It says it was the end of May. It starts on a Tuesday and it finishes on a Sunday. Yes, it's very... It, uh, in terms of the timeline, it's very good. Very tight. Very indeed. tight. It talks about the weather, about the Sunday at the end being the first really hot day and it's yeah. being sort of windy and rainy. June coming that. in like a lamb, she says June at one coming in like a lamb, good. But then she gives a very definitive timeline because yes. she gives the birth date of Mrs. Parsons, who is the... Uh, the, the The victim. The victim. Yes. Uh, her birthday is given as March the 21st, 1933. Yeah. She said she's 16 in 1949. Yeah. And she's 30 in the date of the when book. When she dies. A few months she's, ago. Yeah, they've just had her birthday. Which they? makes this 1963. There's no, no There's no doubt about There's it. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. So it's an odd one that she's got that wrong, isn't it? Well, she doesn't care, does she? She doesn't care. So, um, but, it, but Well, she obviously cared when she was constructing it because it's very tight yeah. about the... Um, it works... Because uh, it's very important that she gets it right about them all being at school together yeah. and their relative ages when they're doing that yeah. and, and how they've come to be where they are now. So she's yeah. had to work all that out. Yeah. And she's got it really bang on. Yeah. So it's just... I think it's just a silly error on her part. I'd, I'd forgive her that one. So just as an aside, you know, in terms of she's not interested in research, I did look up the, the people named in the books that Parsons got on his shelf. Yeah. Madeline Smith, William Palmer, and George Joseph Smith. They're yes. all real people. Yeah. All real events. Drowned brides, murders. You know, they're all real things that happen. So she's... I don't know whether that just something she knew or was interested in anyway, and she was researching murders. Yeah. But in terms of, you know, that the desk research involved in that, there was uh, that, that was really true. Yeah. I looked up the film at the cinema that was playing. I couldn't find no. any mention of no, that. No, I looked that up. up. There's nothing there. So uh, we're gi- we're giving her quite a good score. No, I, well, an odd, an oddly, she gets a good score for the time working and the timeline working, but then she gets a bad score for remembering her own book states. No, we do. I think it's it's absolutely right. I didn't check up the weather report, so I've kind of given up doing that because I just don't think writers yeah, well, are serious about that. Well, I can be absolutely convinced that neither did Ruth Rendell. Well, she's very keen on the idea that it's cold and squally on the on the Tuesday. Yeah. And then by Sunday, it's very sunny. Yeah, good. A really hot day. Good. Um, but I, what I, when I look up the calendar, of course, we. Oh, I haven't done that. Ah, well, you, so obviously, if you look up the sixty-three calendar, yeah, it, it has to be the end of May, beginning of June. Okay, so, so um, it starts on the twenty-eighth of May, right, and finishes on the Sunday, the second of June. Yeah. So we've got a very specific timeline and date. And then a completely made-up landscape yeah. and location. Yeah. I mean, even down to the bus timetables, she does a very funny thing where, where she actually lists the actual times. She of, does, and then I wrote them all out, and yeah. I tried to draw a map, yes. and I couldn't make it work at all. 1732 Kings Markham, 1801 Forby, 1830 Pomfret. Do you think she has a map? Do you think she had a map written out of Kings Markham? No. Do you think she knows where all these places are in her head? I think, again, this might just, just be about times. It. It's about the idea that she's got to prove that the husband can't possibly have 
got to you know got back from work when he yeah. you know uh, yeah. in time to murder her and yeah. stuff so that it was it was all around just timings rather than places yeah so she's a dating person she's not a locating person Presently, a cow nudged against the gate and pushed it wide open. The rest of the herd, about a dozen of them, followed and meandered down the lane. Fortunately for Mr. Pruitt, for the road to which they were headed was, un- was de-restricted, their attention was distracted by some small clumps of sow thistles on the edge of a small wood. One by one, they lumbered across the grass verge, munched at the thistles, and gradually, slowly, penetrated into the thickets. The briars were thick and the wood dim. There were no more thistles. No more wet, succulent grass. Trapped and bewildered, they stood still, lowing hopefully. It was in this wood that Pruitt's cowman found them and Mrs. Parsons' body at half-past one. Very specific. We are sitting in a wood uh, between Midhurst and Petworth. Yes, it's Ambersham Common, I think it's called. Ambersham Common, which would make Pomfret Petworth... Well, that's interesting, this wood is between Kings Malcolm and Pomfret. Yes, we're trying to work out the relationship between fictional names to- of towns and real We've towns. had a bit of a drive around looking for a likely wood. I mean, on wood-top trumps, we needed quite dense trees. We needed to be near a farm. Ah, yes. We needed to be able to park up for a little bit of slap and tickle. Not for you and me, but that's why people came here. I've got a good candidate for a person who'd be up for a bit of slack. Okay, no, well. yeah, okay. And uh, we we tried a couple of places, didn't quite work. Um, you suggested this. This is very good. This is the first place I would say we've been on this adventure, where I kind of go, yeah, it maybe would... she has been here. Yeah, because okay. this sort of works, yeah. doesn't it? Well, I think. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a wood. Sh- it's your writer's imagination you're bringing to it. Okay. You? That you're liking it as a location yeah, for dumping a dead body. I am, yeah. So watch yourself. <laughs> it is It is looking quite good for dumping a dead body. It's very uh, isolated. There's no one here. No. And we there's drove down the, birds. The, the back road towards the farm. Yeah. Because um, the farm I'm talking about is, of course, Cowdray Park Farm. She's picked the poshest farm in the whole place. Well, Cowdray is the estate uh, just outside Midhurst. Yes. With the, uh, with the ruined castle. With the ruined castle. Yeah. Which she also says in the book that the landowner, yeah. the farmer, is not really a farmer. He's a toff. That's she does correct. say that. That's correct. You don't it's think I get my by, by an earl, yes. I believe. Yeah. It does have a dairy farm. I've looked yeah. on their website and they have a, a dairy herd of how many cows do they say? 315 dairy cows. You wouldn't want them walking about, would you? Yeah, so that might have escaped up here. Yeah. It's not very far from the farm from here. But the main thing they do round here in Cowdray is they, they don't farm. They play polo. Polo? Polo. If you, this not farm, in the woods, presumably. Well, Cowdray Farm, it's, not, it's got a farm shop and a farm, and, but it does weddings and events, but it also does experiences. Oh, dear. They haven't got a Ruth Rendell they experience. They haven't got a Ruth Rendell experience. They've got a foraging experience, polo academy. You can learn to play co- polo here. Uh, Simulated game shooting. I think we know. Simulated of, game shooting. Fly fishing 
And my favourite is, did you know that this is the headquarters of Bear Grylls Survival Academy? Is it? Yes. Well, didn't do Mrs Parsons much good, did it? <laughs> so Bear Grylls has been up here drinking his own urine. Oh. <laughs> we're teaching other people how to do it. I think we're getting a picture of the type of person who comes to the, for these experiences. <laughs> Hunting, shooting, fishing, drinking urine. So, I, it does kind of work. It's off the beaten path. It's a common where only dog walkers and people who are bringing up their illicit lovers down here. Exactly. Now, a man who would be in the ni- early 1960s, in his prime, yeah, playing a lot of polo yeah. down here, uh, and possibly I think uh, I know eyeing up a this. few young fillies and taking them down the back road of the farm in his... Range Rover, yeah. well, it wouldn't be a Range Rover in 1960, what would it yeah. mean? A Land Rover. <laughs> yeah, the Duke of Edinburgh. I can imagine the Duke of Edinburgh taking a, a, a young lady for a walk up here after a game of polo. Absolutely. Don't you think? Absolutely. What were the Duke of Edinburgh made of, made of about lesbians? Yes, I don't believe in it. <laughs> yeah, okay, so... Isn't that illegal? <laughs> so, the, so Mrs. Parsons was killed... By the Duke of Edinburgh. No, that's not right. <laughs> no, she wasn't. No, but yeah. she, but um, but the Duke of Edinburgh drove down here. Okay. Yeah, and okay. he was one who walked up here and lit a match to yeah. see if it was her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the Duke of Edinburgh was up here with Mrs. Missile. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay, I like that. I think he'd have a lighter. Would he have matches? I don't think he would have matches. No, I think he'd definitely have a lighter. He'd have an expensive gold-plated Dunhill lighter or something <laughs> like that. Or Ronson. I, I, so even even in the location that works the best, it, she's put it in a place that's really has a lot of got the stuff going on around it. Yeah, she could have used right. Well, the, the idea that this is the sort of U, English centre of polo and all the poshos are are literally riding their horses just round the corner. Yeah, you think that's, she would have made hay well, with that, really? I, is there? I well, hey, listener. Anybody else who's a Ruth Rendell fan out there who's been reading this, is there one of the books where there's polo mentioned at all? Mm. Because it, it seems like that would be... It, how many books are there? There's dozens of them, right? There's dozens of Wicks. When you're uh, running Wicks low on ideas you, you, and you knew that you were basing it on somewhere a bit like Midhurst, yeah. polo would be, you know... Well, you're, you're assuming she knew. <laughs> <laughs> You've done more reading about Midhurst than Red, Ruth Rendell ever did, <laughs> just to prepare for this podcast. Well, bless her. She knows where to hide a body. I'd say this is a good finish, though. Strong finish, Tim. Yeah, this this kind of works. And it works with the bus route, the farm, um, the wood. So um, I think we can have this. this Ruth Rendell fans. This she can have. She, she can't have the train station, the, the police cinema, station, the cinema. Market Square. Any of the suspects' houses. None of that's real. <laughs> None of that works. None of that, of that works. <laughs> but she can have the, the wood. wood. Give her the wood. I mean, uh, polo's taking place at quite a high speed, and it's, it's rather athletic. There comes a time in your life when you don't want to be quite so athletic anymore, uh, yeah. I can tell you. <laughs> but, but your son, of course, Prince Charles, no, plays He's still polo. young he and vigorous. Good? He's younger than I am, you know, funny enough. <laughs> 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 he may not look it. <laughs> So this should be interesting. You just said, I don't know what I'm going to say. Here. I have just said that. So uh, I think we're both winging it on this one. We rate all the books we do uh, purely for uh, comedy purposes. Uh, artistic rating. Yes. Uh, and also our Q-spec rating, how curiously specific the writer is about dates and locations. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean that they're all real, but you know, how seriously do they take the fictional locations that they've created? Yes, and then we'll decide whether they can become a member of our club. So I'm imagining a world in which she hadn't written the afterword, yeah. uh, where she didn't say it's based on Midhurst. Yeah. And in that world, I think I still would have given her quite a low score because I don't really believe that all the bus timetables and place locations work. I don't really believe that she's got a map in her head mm. and she's kind of placing things out. You know, it's her third book. It was the first one to get published. I wonder whether in later books she started to kind of make it hang together a bit more real. But even in Road Rage, which we've talked about a couple of times, she talks about the bypass coming off well, she says a motorway with an A road name, so that must be the A3, the A3M, which yeah. is about 10, 15 miles from Midhurst. Okay. You wouldn't start a bypass there. <laughs> That'd be crazy. You'd start it just outside the town, and it would go around the town. Well, and, and then, and then why, she said it's Midhurst. Perhaps that's why they were all against the bypass, because it was so huge. It's so huge, yes. <laughs> driving a bypass. Well, it's... The other thing is, it's the South Downs National Park, right? So there's no way they're building a bypass through that anyway. Ah, oh, but that is dealt with in the book about the where. The place. Is it? Yes, it is. He talks about the, the there being rare butterflies there. Yeah, and but she doesn't drive mention through the South Downs. She never says national park. No, she doesn't say national park. So if she didn't say it, we wouldn't have gone on this wild goose chase in the first place. No, she is didn't that what you're say saying? It. I wouldn't go on the, the, the wild goose chase, and also the weird stuff about Brighton and Eastbourne and. But we might have done. We might have done what we did. The woman in black that we might have sort of made some... We might have done a bit more driving around. Yes. And taking candidate bits yes. here and there and then piecing it together. Yeah, we might have done that, but I still think the unalterable fact is even if you, don't, even if you didn't mention Midhurst, yeah. it's got to be quite near the A3. That's the only road option that there is going down there. Yeah. So even, even if you were just making it up, things like Eastbourne and Brighton stopped working and she's got it in the wrong place. Yeah. So It's madness. It's madness. I mean... I think I'm going to give her a one, and I'm only giving her a one because I like my Q spec rating because I liked the location of the woods. Yeah, that's the only reason I'm giving her a one. Other Fair than play. other than that, she get a zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not shocked by that at all. No, I'm not shocked by that. And I don't think she's being particularly interesting about being not interested in the way that Ishiguro was, who seemed to be sort of messing with militantly. Your head. Yeah, he's militantly. I don't messing. genuinely think I think she's that bothered. No, it's just gut. She's so it's just, a one. She, she just did gut. Okay, the one on the Q-spec rating. One on the Q-spec rating. Yes. Um, I, I'm, I'm the same. I was feeling exactly the same. I, was, I came away thinking, you're getting a big fat zero here. <laughs> Absolute zero. Yeah. Um, but similarly, I thought, no, I'm going to have to give you one. Because also I like to think of, you don't often think about this, about the relative marks that you give. Yeah, but I seem to remember that w that we gave James Herbert quite a low mark we in did. the rats of something like four, yeah. something like that. And actually now, yeah. I'm thinking he's undermarked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly in relative terms. Definitely. Uh, so go back and listen to that listener, yeah. and you'll see that actually he's goes into quite. I mean, even though he's got everything in the wrong place, yeah. it, it is at least it's in Stepney. Yeah, you know, it is there. Yeah, uh, I think we gave him a we we punished him for going on and on about how much research he does. Ah, uh, well, that doesn't and help. we kind of went, that really, doesn't mate, help. Really. At least Ruth Rendell does say somewhere that I don't do any research. No, she just makes things up. She just makes She's one of those up. writers who just makes things up. So I think up. she'd be quite proud of a one rating for Curiosity Specific. Yeah, I think she would. She'd she'd a badge say, of honor. She, I think she'd, well, she'd roll her eyes yeah. and she'd go, who's the, you know, the fat one? He's really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be something like that. It would. Um, okay, artistic merit. 
Okay. What are you thinking here? Okay, so artistic merit. Um, I think I enjoyed these books more than you did. I found they rattled. I mean, I can see why they're popular because they are page turners. You do, I do, I did find the characters interesting, and I did kind of want to know what had happened. There was enough of a puzzle going on, and some nice red herrings as well mm-hmm. about it. So, in terms of a straight read, I was enjoying it. So, I will give it. I now have to be careful here now because I'm thinking about all the relative... I've said I'm thinking relative scores. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. I have to separate out in my head the the experience of the novel from the fact that she doesn't seem able to write a character who is remotely attractive, right? Uh, All All the people in her books seem to be awful, including Wexford. Now, they just seem to be misanthropic, selfish judgy so you know i think and i would agree with you that the story is interesting i think the stuff that you did on 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 gay fiction and you know the the the, the lesbian um fiction and, and culture coming on you know during the 60s you kind of go well that's actually quite interesting and she's done something quite interesting there so uh and i thought road rage was was good was good actually a good story and i would it's agree clever. the stories are pretty good they are the stories so, are good um, I think I probably I'm gonna I'm, I would give her a six. And I'm gonna take a mark off for the fact that all her characters are so abhorrent and give I, her a five. I, is this just that like Bruce Reynolds from Essex? You're from Kent. Are you people just looking down your noses at people from Sussex? Uh, well, people in Kent look down their noses at everybody. Well, I was gonna so. say I'm from Norfolk, and if I read a book about people from Suffolk, I'd probably be talking the same way. Essex, Sussex, maybe it's old Saxon thing. Yeah, maybe it goes right back to the day. Um, so yeah, I'll give her a five. Five. Yeah. So she's doing not very well. If you're a Ruth Rendell fan, we're sorry. We're, we're sorry, but, and um, yeah. but we we have a job to do here. We we you know we we, we need to take it seriously. Yeah. Um, and, and one of us is one of us is an Agatha Christie nutbag, so that yeah. it was never going to get a high school. No. Uh, and the and the other is well, I I don't know. I'm a bit of a Dorothy. Dorothy I'm a certainly a Fenland Dorothy L. Sayers yeah, fan. You, you like Dorothy. So uh, in our trilogy, I think Ruth was. On the yeah. back foot from the Overshadowed. start. Overshadowed. But don't say Midhurst if it isn't Midhurst. No. That's the lesson. No, don't say 964 if it's 963. Yeah. Otherwise, These are elementary errors. Yeah. They're easy to get right. Work harder, do better. So that was From Dune With Death, set in who knows where. Mm, in the middle of nowhere. I quite like the idea that she's actually set it in Loughton. That was a, that was good. I enjoyed that. The yes. idea that she put it in Loughton. I think it's a good theory. It's a good enough theory. And then just stuck it in, in Sussex. <laughs> so this, it's good enough for a journalist to yeah, well, that'll work. Yes. Uh, so so I think we've we we we've done her proud. A few thank yous. We didn't I didn't use very much music in the edit for this podcast. No. Mainly because I couldn't couldn't find, <laughs> find any of that, that either. <laughs> couldn't find any of that. Can you think of any music that's related to Midhurst? I was struggling a little bit. Uh, in terms of music, I like to always say thank you to Learning Music, yeah. the Free Music Archive, who is the artist who produced our Basie Loop, Basie our theme Loop, tune, yeah, our Sting. Um, we did have a few spoken bits which I just wanted to call out. Oh yeah, I was very excited to find a Lions Made commercial. A yes. Lions Made film commercial, so that was that was in there. You would have heard that. There was a clip from uh, an Inspector Wexford episode. Yes, uh, you would have heard that. There's a very good 1965 uh, episode of This Week, the ITV Current Affairs program. That was glorious, all about lesbians. 
Um, and uh, they did one on homosexuality, and then I think someone said, "Well, you haven't done lesbians," so they did one on lesbians. Yeah. But uh, it's very good. It's very. Uh, we'll put links to all these on our Patreon page. And then obviously we had to have a clip from something you found actually. Yeah. Opinions Unlimited. <laughs> from an ITV show in 1979, which was quite bizarre. Basically, the format is Cliff Mitchell-Moore in a a place somewhere in the UK or in England. I imagine they were all in England um, with three local dignitaries or notables. Well, they're three people who basically retired as far as I can tell. Answering random questions from the audience. Yeah, like, yeah. What do you have for breakfast? And, a sort of uh, former director general, a former editor, and a, and the wife and of somebody else. someone who published else. a book. Or yeah. something. It was yeah. very, very strange. <laughs> it um, was bad. Anyway, so Opinions Unlimited from ITV. Look it up. We will link to it in our show notes. Mm. Um, but those were the, the audio stings you heard in between uh, us talking. Uh, but very little music this episode. Sorry about that. Ruth, Ruth doesn't music doesn't seem to really inform her world very much. I don't think I couldn't it? find anywhere where she talked about the music she listened to while she wrote no. or that inspired her. It wasn't it, something she was. Mind you, she was quite um, taciturn with journalists. I feel she didn't like doing interviews. So did she? she wasn't going to tell them if they didn't ask her. No, and they didn't specific. ask her. So if Fair anyone enough. knows about Ruth Rendell's. Uh, musical tastes, that'd please let us know. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Yeah. I'd love to know that actually. Yeah, we'd I'd love be to really know interested. That as well. And we've got a, we've got a, another shout out to do, haven't we? Can you believe it? Come on. <laughs> Hello, Simon Hemsley. Hello, Simon. Thank you so much. Simon has upgraded from two pounds a month to five pounds a month on yeah. Patreon. You, you can't can... get enough of us, Tim. Well. I hope you won't be disappointed. We need to start talking more in the uh, Discord server, which is you get access to the Discord server for £5 a month, where you get to talk to us about books and to other people as well who are actually more informed than us, frankly. Who know a lot more than us. (laughs) Uh, About books we might do, books we've done, the trips we're taking, general chit-chat about literature and other things. Um, and we post photographs from our outings uh, so that you get sort of more exclusive sort of content and access. And that's just a mere £5 a month if you go to Patreon and search for Curiously Specific. And for £2 a month, as we keep saying, you get all the episodes without any ads. As soon as they're available, you get uh, notes, photos and maps. Yes. Although a map of Midhurst, I can't even begin to think how I'm going to do that You might have got yourself off the hook here. Of not having to do a map. Maybe I'll just put up a map of Loughton. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, next episode, we are uh, leaving the world of detective fiction behind. Yes. And we're about to embark on uh, three adventures in our manner. Yeah, I love it. South London. South. South London books. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.